Give God praise, everybody. Come on now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, we are going to 1 John chapter 5 once again. We have been working through a series talking about faith. Um, and uh, this has, of course, been the key verse we've been using pretty much for a couple months now. And uh, this series has been broken up into multiple different mini-series. And, uh, of course, this is today we're also going to uh, talk some more. We've been talking about roadblocks to our faith. But let's uh, do a little bit of real short uh, um, a review and First John chapter five and let's go to verse uh, four and five, please. And it just says, "For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world." What is it? Our faith. Our faith. And then it goes and asks the question, "Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who what believes that Jesus is the Son of God." Any believers in the house today? Okay, so according to this, if, you, if you've received Jesus and you believe uh, that Jesus is the Son of God, the Scripture says then you, hallelujah, are called to be one of those overcomers of the world. Amen? In fact, it makes that real clear in verse 4 that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, whatever is begat or born, amen, that word is a word we get uh, to regenerate, okay, or procreate, all right, made from. Is what the word is. So whatever is born of God overcomes the world. In other words, whatever is born of God has the DNA to overcome. Are you with me? Now, the word overcome, let's define it real quick because we use it a lot. Uh, Nikeo, and it's actually going to be a word. It's going to come up uh, before we're done here today. Again, uh, it means to subdue, conquer, or prevail. But it means to gain a decisive victory. Everybody say decisive. decisive. Work with me now. Say decisive. Okay, there's decisive victory. Sometimes we look at stuff and we generalize everything and then we miss it. Okay, there's decisive victories. In other words, whatever promises and things that God has spoke or put on your heart or declared to you by the word of God, these are things that you can walk in, experience, receive, amen, see the fruit of it, praise God in our lives. Are you with me? And you should be. Amen. And so what we're talking about, amen, is faith to receive that decisive victory. The word victory itself is the word Nike or Nike. Most of the time, if you look at it, that's how you'd pronounce it. But it means a conquest or triumph, but it literally means the means of success, breakthrough, or progress. So it says your faith, your confidence, your reliance, your dependence, your trust in God, amen, your assurance, your conviction, these are all synonyms of this word faith. Pistis is the Greek word, all right? So now your faith, your confidence in God is your means of success to gain that decisive victory. So if there is a promise or a decisive victory you're reaching for, if it's wholeness of body, if it's something in your marriage, something in your household, something in your family, something about a ch child, something about a loved one, something about your finance, something, whatever it is that you're believing for, there should be a decisive victory for that. So there is a way to gain that decisive victory. Your means of success, in other words, the vehicle that you're going to jump on to get to that place is called your faith. Are you with me? Now, somebody asked me the question this week. Well, isn't all that already ours? Absolutely it is. Every bit of, everything that's been promised to you is already promised to you. It's yours. But there are things that get in the way that we don't receive. Amen. 
And so your faith, amen, if it's unhindered, amen, will accomplish things. We've brought out the last couple, three weeks, I suppose it is, talking about uh, Jesus brought out, all you need is a mustard seed of faith to get the job done. Amen. A mustard seed of faith to pull up that mulberry tree and uh, cast it into the sea. Or in one place he says, through a mustard seed of faith, you could speak to that mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and it would obey you. Amen. So that which towers over you or that which is a nuisance or that thing that tries to somehow intimidate you. Amen. You could take authority over it. Amen. And all it takes is a mustard seed of faith, which is, by the way, a very, very, very tiny seed. Now, a mustard plant uh, cannot be cross-pollinated, okay, which means it can't, it only, it, that seed can do that, and that's, it can't be cross-pollinated. Well, I think that's a good reason why he probably used that, uh, the mustard seed, uh, as, as an example, because, uh, you know, if, it, if it's not tainted, if it's not cross-pollinated, if it's not hindered, if it's not, uh, you know, the simplicity of it is taken away, all of a sudden it hinders that means of success to gain a decisive victory. And it doesn't take much. See, faith is simple. It's very simple. Faith is very simple. You believe it, you receive it, you don't, you won't, you doubt it, you do without it, period. Bang, bang, done. And it's just simple. And so he talks about, and there are different things that can cut off your means of success to to gain that decisive victory. We talked about unbelief. Jesus had a lot to say about unbelief and how it will hinder your faith. Are you with me? Now, did you come to receive or not? Now, I ain't playing games here. So uh, if you came to receive, then you're going to leave with something today. And you don't want to miss this one. Are you with me? Okay. I ain't going to play patty cake with you. So we're just, just, let's get it, all right? So if there's unbelief in the way, it's going to mess up your faith. You're not going to get a decisive victory. Now, you can blame God all day long if you want to. Blame the preacher. Blame the doctrine. Blame whatever you want. It ain't going to do you one hill of being a good. Are you with me? All right, you might as well get the roadblock gone. So if unbelief is there, let's get it gone. The other thing we talk about is doubt. Now, we spent a week on every one of these. Doubt. If doubt's in the picture, it'll cut off your faith. Bang, done. The word even says, don't even think you'll receive anything. Isn't that amazing? Just blatant. You think, James, go easy on me. He said, no. If you're going to have doubt in the picture, bang, don't even think you'll receive anything. You've messed up the process. So we talked about doubt. We talked about unforgiveness. Somebody say amen or oh me. Come on. Unforgiveness will mess up your faith big time. It'll cut you off, and all of a sudden you're not receiving what you need to receive all because you want to hold a grudge. Or you want to be, you know, uh, have some kind of ought in your heart because somebody did you wrong when you were 12 years old. Well, it ain't worth it. That's why Jesus said, let it go. Look at your neighbor and say, let her go. When there's some song, let it go. No, I won't go there. <laughs> Hallelujah. We ain't going to do that one. No way. Hallelujah. We talked about um, inconsistency one week. Remember, you got to be consistent through faith and your patience or your consistency, you receive the promises. So if you don't remain consistent with your faith, you have to understand that's going to cut you short. With me? Yeah. Last week, we talked about fear. Everybody say fear. Fear, fear will mess up your day. 
And it is such a ploy of the enemy to get you caught up in this thing called fear to get you to just begin to, uh, literally all it does is steals your confidence. Literally will cut your faith off at the knees. Now, are you with me? Today we're going to talk about a thing called condemnation. Boy, it'll, condemnation can, can be a nasty thing. So let's look at chapter 5 of Luke, please. Luke 5. Now, are you with me? Yes. All right. Luke 5. <clears throat> you know, um, I've been using this, and I don't know, I, I think it was, uh, might have been Keith Moore that might have made the comment one time that... Um, and he's, he made the comment that um, we, we, are not, we all are not or should not be asking why God um, didn't do or wouldn't do something, okay? We have to be asking why couldn't God do it? See, because see, what happens, God gets to blame for a lot of stuff that quite frankly is just stuff that we just allowed roadblocks in our life and, and we get cut off. We get cut short, and then we want to get mad at everybody else because, you know, I just thought it was supposed to be handed to me. Well, it's all yours to have, but your faith is your means of success to grab it. And that's why Jesus said, by your faith, you were healed. By your faith, you were delivered. Amen. Through your faith, amen, the patriarchs of faith accomplished this and accomplished that. It was by their faith. Are you with me? So it's not complicated, it's just, but you have to, it's your faith that gets the job done. Now, Jesus could have said every time, he could have said, by my faith, you were healed. But he never one time said that. It was always by your faith. In fact, he even asked uh, the boys before, he says, according to your faith. In other words, if you got the faith, you can get her done. So what do you got working in you? And then there were times he even rebuked them because there was no faith. Might even have looked at that a little bit last week. Are you with me? So, amen. Faith is important. It's how we live. It's how we please God. It's how we walk. It's how, amen, how we fight, how we resist. Are you with me? It's how we gain our decisive victory. All right. Luke 5, verse 17, please. And what we have here is a story uh, kind of playing out here. Uh, Verse 5, verse 7, or pardon me, verse 17 of chapter 5. Now, it happened on a certain day. Okay, now um, it says he was preaching, um, he, he was teaching, pardon me, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out, uh, uh, out of every town of Galilee, Jude, Judea, and Jerusalem. Okay, so there's a lot of uh, li- religious leaders here. Okay, now according to, there's multiple accounts of this. We see it, um, the same story talk, talked in Matthew 9 and, Ma- and, pardon me, and Mark 2. Are you with me? So the same story is in the Gospels in Matthew 9, Mark 2, and here in Luke 5. Are you with me? Sometimes you got to be a student. you got to read them all to kind of get the full picture, okay? Uh, so I'm just letting you know that ahead of time, okay? In, in Matthew's account, he said that he was right now in his own city. Everybody now is coming to him. And in Mark 2, it brings out he was in the house implying it's where he lives or where he stays or his home. Are you with me? So now all these people knew where to see him. They knew he was in his hometown now. He's in his place. Now they all came to his place to hear him out. Are you with me? That's necessary to understand. And there's a full, I mean, the house is full. They're everywhere. Okay, you with me? 
Okay, it wasn't just like a, a couple people here. We're talking quite a few people are here. All right, and it said, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, up to this time, nobody's getting healed, but the, the power is there to heal. Are you with me? Then behold, in other words, look, all of a sudden something's shifted and changed. Something's different now. Behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. Now, according to Mark's account, there were four men. Everybody say four men. So there's four men brought in a guy. They each had like one corner of a, a, you know, whatever it was. He was laying on a cot or a blanket, whatever it was. They had a hold of it. Each man had a corner. And they're going to Jesus' house where Jesus is at. And they're going to get this boy healed. Okay? So it says, uh, there was a man paralyzed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in. Remember, the power of God's there present to heal. Nobody else is taking advantage of it, but these boys show up. They're going to take advantage of it. But the problem is, there's so many people, they can't even get in the door. Is anybody hearing this? Okay, now something's about to happen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready for that. When they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and led him down uh, with his bed through the tiling into the midst of Jesus. In other words, removed some tiling, went up on the roof. It must have been like some you know, way to get up there. Maybe there was a, a stairwell on the side of the house, whatever it was. They went up there, removed tile, and, right? Now, how would you like that? Somebody says, I'm trying to get in your house. I'm going to remove your roofing and your... Okay, now nobody, they can't get in the front door. So listen, we're going to get something because faith has action. And these four boys are going to get something done. They're going, they're going to make sure this friend of theirs or family member or whatever it is, work partner, whatever it is, we don't know how uh, he became paralyzed. And, and you kind of read through it, it's like, uh, it wasn't like he was necessarily, he wasn't born this way. Something must have happened that created this. Are you with me? So these boys are going to, you know, or men, they're going to make sure that their, their friend or family member is going gonna, is gonna to walk home today. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so they, they lowered him through the tiling into the midst of Jesus. In other words, dropped him down kind of right in front of, amen, where Jesus was. Okay, how many know this isn't some average thing? These ain't average men. These are achieving men, right? Come on. They're not just looking. Come on. Are you with me? They're not just looking to get relief. They're looking for results. Does anybody in the house want results? Look at your neighbor and say, I want results. I don't want just want relief. I want results. I want something to change. Okay. So these boys do this. And Jesus said when he saw their faith, Okay, as you, I went through all the, all the Gospels on this one. Through their faith, he's talking about the four men. He saw their faith and said to him, talking now, see, he signifies there's a difference between their faith and him. Okay, you four are amazing. Man, you even tore my roof apart. This is something. 
Boy, you, you, you're not going to leave with just, I mean, you're going to make sure you get something today. And now remember, there's a room full of Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees, and a bunch of other whatevers. Come on, somebody, that ain't getting nothing. And he's just thinking, all right, we're going to get something done today. So he looked at their faith. He saw their faith. He saw their faith. But he had to address the man. Because it ain't the four boys that necessarily, you know, need the miracle, so to speak. It's the man that needs the miracle. But he makes a statement to him. He says, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, how many know Jesus doesn't play around with words? One of the uh, other gospels, he also says in the midst of that, be of good cheer. In other words, to have courage or take courage now. Okay, but he he says in in all of them, your sins are forgiven you. He says, I'm acknowledging all your faith, but you, sir, your sins are forgiven you. Why? Because it's the hindrance right now. That's the roadblock. Your past sin and mistake is holding you back. Now, we don't know how this all happened. We don't know. Maybe he made a dumb decision, did something, and it cost him. Has anybody ever been there? We'll cast out lying devils later. Anybody ever been there? We've all done stupid things that kind of hung us up. We wish we wouldn't have done. Come on. And a lot of times, whether we know it or not, if you don't, if you don't watch it, that condemnation, guilt, and shame will hook up and begin to take authority. Come on, begin to dominate. And pretty soon you're not getting results because of something of yesterday, yesteryear, or yesterdecade. Is anybody hearing me? He saw their faith, but he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. Well, of course, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees, because they ain't got nothing else better to do, let's argue with him. Who is this man? You know, they began to read around amongst you. Who's this mannequin? He speaks blasphemies. How, listen, this is a serious thing. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So, I mean, this wasn't some lightweight statement. He chose his words. He knew exactly what he was saying. And then he said this. He said, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? The point is this. It doesn't matter. What matters is get the hindrance gone so the guy can get up well. You're sitting here bickering about something you got no business bickering about. We want the man whole. We want the man delivered. We want the, we want the roadblock gone. Are you with me? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the man who was paralyzed, he's talking to the man, I say to you, Making it personal. It's always personal. Now, look at the power of what people, when they get around you, they can release faith. They can start making a way for God to move, but it still always comes down to your faith. 
Praise God for those that agree and pray for you and all that. Praise God for, for all the times that God, you know, the mercy and the compassion and the blood of Jesus, all the stuff that we can stand on and believe for. We're not taking away from any of it and we're not making light of any of it. But nine times out of ten, it's going to come right down to one thing, your faith. A lot of times people say, Pastor, please pray. Okay. Well, you know. No, you tell me. What are we believing for? Because I don't want to pray one thing, and you ain't praying nothing. Or you, you ain't praying the same thing I'm praying. Are you with me? Amen. I could say, Lord, kill him. <laughs> Somebody said, well, not that. Well, okay then. What do you want? Right? There were times Jesus said, what do you want? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's talking to a blind person. Hello? What do you want? Well, they may say, I got this hangnail. <laughs> Lord, that I might receive my sight. Okay, we can work with that. Exactly. Right? All right. The point is this. Amen. He's acknowledging, amen, that there's a problem here. All right? So I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, the word says now, or we obviously see this now. He's seeing now this man, something's shifting here. Okay? All right. So he's removing the hindrance. Is anybody with me? Okay, in fact, as you kind of go back, like I said, through Matthew and Mark's account also, amen, you start seeing this, okay? Now he's making it very personal. I believe with all my heart he addressed the problem. Your sins are forgiven you. Let it go. Let it go. See, sometimes a situation like that, they're all riddled with guilt because of maybe a decision they made or now they can't provide for their family or, uh, you know, they, they feel they failed their marriage or failed their family or, or whatever, failed their church. or People, it's amazing what the enemy will hit you with. And then all of a sudden now you're being riddled with a thing called condemnation. Whew. You got to shut the door to condemnation, people. Are you with me? Past sins and mistakes are used by the enemy to make you feel unworthy. He'll use condemnation, which literally means an adverse sentence or verdict, to convict or pronounce guilty to bring forth shame. The word shame in itself means humiliate, to embarrass, to reproach, disgrace, to deflate, belittle, demeaning, uh, devalue. All those are tools of the enemy to get you to shut down. And if he can get that to take root in you, it'll shut down your faith. Because you feel you're wor that's all you're worthy of. Now, you might tell the preacher man the right words because you know what he has to say. And a lot of times you'll do that. You'll tell me what you think I want to hear. And in the meantime, you're riddled with guilt Come on, or any of these other things we've talked about over the last several weeks that are shutting down your faith and you won't let go of it, but you say the right words and in the meantime, get nothing. 
And then everybody around you goes, well, I just don't understand. Why did they not get this? Or why did it not happen? Or what about? Or how come? And everybody wants to, has all these question marks. Is anybody hearing me? Now, are you here to receive or not? Guilt, condemnation, shame, humiliation, devalued. The scripture says in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And a lot of that second half of that verse isn't even in the Greek. But it means if you're going to walk according to the Spirit, you're going to receive it like he said it. Or you're going to walk according to the flesh, which means natural or seen realm. So are you going to try to do all this on yourself, try to fix? Well, you know, I got myself in trouble. I'm going to get myself out. Have you ever said that? Now, that's a pretty silly statement. The other day I had a situation happen in my own life. Um, the Spirit of God was talking to me about something. I shrugged it off because I felt uh, that there was something else. I, thought, this is, I felt like it was you know, a little bit of conflicting because I felt like it was something that I'd already, it was going contrary to something else he had said to me. So I thought, okay, this is something that the enemy's just trying to mess with me, uh, you know, bring in some confusion. So I just kind of blew it off. Later on found out, no, it was the voice of God and there was a reason for it. But the bottom line is now, now I feel guilt because I didn't follow it. Are you with me? So now I'm going to go try to fix this because I know better than this. So I'm going to go fix this. The Spirit of God, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to fix this. Oh, that works. That works. Let's, 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 do one mis let's do a few more mistakes to fix the other mistake. Anybody else hearing me? So he, he got kind of real with me about it, and he just says, why don't you just live in your covenant? I knew what he meant by that. I'm, a covenant, I'm covenant connected. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I do. I, I serve God. I, you know, I, my heart is to, to try to do everything I can for God. Come on, somebody. So I started saying, wait a minute, you lying devil. I refuse condemnation and guilt. I bind you, you foul thing. Get out of here in Jesus' name. I'm covenant connected. Somebody says, well, what about the mistake you made? Well, we put that behind us. The scriptures are so clear, wise and foolish, obedient, disobedient, makes the difference between the blessing and the curse. How many know that to be true? It's just there. Somebody said, well, if you do wrong, God curses you. No, it don't. It just says the curse is there. The curse is out there. The blessing's out there. You just have to determine what you're going to live under. Come on, and obedience brings you one way, disobedience brings you another. Now, the reason I mention that is this, because every one of us have taken the wrong road. I know maybe none of you, but I, I, I assume most of us, but maybe all of you are perfect. But I know for me, I've taken the wrong road, and you end up in a mess, and you think, why am I on this road? So what do you do about it? Well, you just have to live it out. Oh, well. Well, wait a minute, I thought Jesus paid a price. So what happens? He's made a way. So what you do through repentance, come on, somebody, hallelujah, and now make a decision, I choose 
to live according to the Spirit and not according to flesh. I ain't going to try to fix this. I'm just going to go to you and say, I receive what you've already done. And what happens now, even in the midst of the curse, a doorway opens up. A new portal opens up. According to Scripture, that's what happens. All of a sudden, now something else opens up, and you can go through that doorway, and from there on, just choose obedience. Is anybody hearing me? But a lot of people don't. A lot of people, okay, say, I made my bed, now I have to live with it. I made my bed, now it's just the rest of my life is just, you know, gonna gonna stink because of this dumb thing I did. And the whole time Jesus paid a price for you. You stunketh beforeeth you receiveth the Lord. Am I right? Did you do everything right before you received the Lord? Work with me. Did you do everything right before you received the Lord? And for some odd reason, he took all that mess and went squish and flushed it where it belongs. And now you're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But for some reason, we get saved and then we think, King's X, none of that counts anymore. As soon as we make a mistake, we're done. More Christians fight condemnation than any other thing. And they can't move forward in their walk because they're still riddled with the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of some past experience or some past mistake or something that happened in their life that they wish it wouldn't have happened. But now here you are and you won't move forward because of a thing called condemnation. The New Living Translation brings this verse out. A lot of the, actually, a lot of the translations don't bring out the whole verse because a lot of it, like I said, is not in the Greek. But uh, the New Living says, uh, so now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, do you belong? If you do, then there shouldn't be any condemnation for you. There's a, there's a portal for you to step through. Jesus paid a price so you could. Now, bring up the new, uh, uh, the, or the Passion Translation. Let's do that one. Are you still with me? Yes. Ah, there's never enough time. All right. So now the case is closed. Done. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. No more accusing voice of condemnation. Does anybody know who the accuser is? So anytime there's an accusation coming against you, we know the author of it. But many times we yield to it and submit to it because we live more according to the flesh than we do according to the spirit. And we have a hard time receiving something because he just said, receive it. We go, well, now, wait a minute. I got to, you know, I mean, I should probably at least suffer for at least a week. And sometimes our loved ones will help us with that. Right? They'll say, yeah, you should suffer, you dirty dog. But that isn't how Jesus designed it. Man, your sins are forgiven you. Done. Now, take up your bed and walk. 
In John chapter uh, 8, we see the story of the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. And uh, so you can imagine, you know, she's brought with Pharisees. And my guess, my thought is, what the heck were you all there for? But anyway, that's my own thought. But I was thinking, you know, a bunch of perverts. What's a... Waiting for her to take off her clothes and then hog tire and drag her out of the bed and drag her to the street and make Jesus, right? Am I the only one that sees this? How embarrassing, how shameful, how disgusting. Come on. Well, Moses would stone her. What are you going to do? So he takes a minute doodling on the ground. I think he's just getting the word of the Lord personally. Some people says he doodled certain things on the ground. I don't know. He could have just been drawn the sun and some clouds and a tree. I don't know. Or he was just doodling, just waiting for the word. And then he said, he without sin cast the first stone. Well, of course, we're talking about Pharisees here. They, even Pharisees who should probably be living pretty clean and right, even knew in themselves, they were smart enough to go, you know what? Yeah, I'm not clean either. I got some error in my own life. Come on, somebody. They all leave. Now, woman, where's your accusers? Well, they're all gone. Okay, so Jesus says this. Huh? She said, no one, Lord, they're all gone, right? Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. I'm not putting condemnation on you. Okay? Now somebody said, well, the woman was guilty. Caught in the very act. Of course she was. It was obvious. I don't condemn you. He's not condoning sin. He's not justifying sin. He's not making excuses for sin. He just says, listen, I ain't here to condemn you either. Now, go and don't do it anymore. Because you'll end up in the same mess. So just don't do that no more. You're released. Is anybody hearing me? Okay, you're released. Let's go back to Luke 6 real quick. Are you with me? Come on, Luke 6. Okay. The accusing voice of condemnation is always trying to, uh, trying to ring in your ears. And we've all made enough mistakes that it it doesn't take much, but pretty soon you're yielding to it. And now don't even realize it's created a roadblock that now you you can't even gain a decisive victory because your means of success has been cut at the knees. Okay, Luke, uh, what did I tell you, 6? Let's go to like verse 6. And it happened on on another Sabbath. (laughs) Also that that he entered the synagogue and taught, and a man uh, was there whose right hand, everybody say right hand. It's it's symbolic. It's the right hand, okay, was withered. Okay, so the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that, he might, that they might find an accusation against him. I don't know why they get so hung up on this. But anyway, the point is that, okay, in fact, in the Matthew's account, this is also in Matthew 12, but in Matthew's account, it brings out that they asked him about this. They literally 
pointed to the guy with the withered hand. There's a man that needs healed. Do you heal on the Sabbath or not? Trying to catch him in some kind of a deal. And he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had uh, the withered hand, he said, uh, arise and stand here. In fact, uh, Mark's account, he says it this way, step forward. Okay, since they're pointing you out, step forward. Come here, stand right here. Okay, just stand here. All right. Are you all with me? Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? In fact, Matthew's account in chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, if you will put that on the board, I think I gave you that as a reference. This is what, what he said. He, this wasn't all that he said here. Okay, In Matthew's account, he brings more of it out. Then he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep and, verse 12, please, and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Huh. Are you with me? Of how much more value than is a man? What man? This man. This man right here. Then some sheep. What's he doing? He's he's eliminating the problem here. He's getting rid of a hindrance. Okay. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Is that right? Are we still together? Okay. So then he looked around at them all and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. Of course, the rest of them, they all got a little mad and huffy about him because he did it. Come on. Now, the point is this, okay? We're seeing the same exact thing. Why don't you come here and stand here, okay? Because you're, you're going to leave whole today, but we gotta, we're going to have to deal with this. So he's not only addressing the men that are trying to catch him in some kind of a whatever. He says, of how much more value? How much more? What's he saying? He, I'm eliminating the shame and the devaluing that whatever the enemy's done to you. I don't know how your hand got to what it is. Okay, I don't know what, what, what's, what's going on here, but it's the right. See, I'm going to restore your dignity and your authority. I'm going to bring you back into a place where you know who you are instead of being under this thing of being devalued. The right hand, that's what it's talking about. The right, see, it was taken from him. So he said, you're of more value It's the Sabbath day, and you're of more value than even a sheep. And even if a sheep fell into a pit, I'd pull him out. And you're of much more value than some sheep. That man is clicking. The wheels are turning. Now, now, stretch out your hand. See, condemnation will hang you up. Shame and guilt will hang you up. You have no business to give place to that. If you've made a mistake, let's let it go. Shut the door to condemnation. That's one hawking long hair. Shut the door to condemnation. Pastor, you don't know, I really, I, I, I desert, whoa, whoa, breaks, breaks, breaks. 
Well, Pastor, you just don't know. I'll get this turned around. Well, breaks, breaks, breaks. Hold it. You know, I made my bed, so breaks, 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 breaks. Well, you know, they deserve breaks. One of the greatest revelations I ever got, okay, early on. I'm still living in Nebraska when I got this one. Okay, so we're talking 35, six years ago. Driving a forklift into a row, getting some product to put on the truck, and I've been meditating on the fact that the, the minister the week prior had said something about I'm in right standing with God based on what Jesus did. The guy that went into that row with that forklift and the guy that came out of that row were two different men because it set me free because I am in right standing with an almighty God based on what Jesus did. had nothing to do with me. That devil can't hold my past against me. He can't hold my sin against me. He can't hold my mistake against me. Jesus paid a price for that. Now, either he did or he didn't. What do you say? I say he did. So does it matter now what you think about it? Well, you know. Well, you know, that don't mean everything. Really? Oh, okay. So, so in other words, when you accepted Jesus, it didn't mean your sin. So you're hellbound still. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. You're playing? No, no. So if it, if it didn't mean this one, then maybe it didn't mean yours. Is anybody hearing this? See, you can't just mix and match. You have to understand if somebody turns to the Lord, amen, it doesn't matter. So whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, he was a, he was a, he was a heathen to the core. He was a crumb bum. He was a politician. An IRS agent. Well, if they accept Jesus, and I hope they do, because if they don't, they're still a crumb bum. No, no. It, it, we're hoping they receive Jesus, and if they do, th- right? Come on. So, all right. I know sometimes, ooh, now you're kind of like, ooh, pat, ooh, Okay, let's put up some references. Hebrews 10, 22. Okay. Everybody say, get rid of the voice of condemnation. Okay, let us draw near with a pure heart or a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It's talking about being clean inside and out. But an evil conscience, talking about a guilty or an accusing conscience. In other words, it's affecting your heart. Is anybody with me? Because here is how it works. Because now here comes that, that, that guilty, that accusing conscience that's now coming up against your heart. You want to believe God with all your heart, but you can't now because you got too much guilt and shame and condemnation. 1 John 3 and 20 says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart, verse 21, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So obviously you got to get your heart. So it affects your heart. So if, there's, if you're that evil conscious, that guilty conscious, that accusing conscious keeps worn on your heart pretty soon, now your heart shuts down. You can't put all your heart into something and believe for something. Are you still with me? Just give me a few more minutes. We'll get her done. I'm telling you. All right. 
All right, so, but, verse 20 again, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. In other words, what he has done is greater, even though your heart is trying to war against you, and it does. God, if I wouldn't have done that, this would still be happening. If I wouldn't have said that, this would still be going on. If, if, if I wouldn't have never went there, this thing would be different. If I wouldn't have, what's happening? Your heart's condemning you. And there's a time for conviction. But when your heart starts condemning you, it means trying to shut you down. You can't, get, you can't get nothing done with your faith. But if your heart starts condemning, God is greater. What God has done is far greater. What Jesus did is far greater. What Jesus did is far greater. It's far greater. And he knows all things. You don't think he doesn't know? Really? He knew when you were even thinking about heading that way. You were being sneaky. <laughs> Nobody knows. Really? And he knows all. But he's still greater. Jesus takes covenant, breaks cover, breaks bread with a whole group of guys that he knows. Within a couple hours, every one of you wieners are going to run away. Bunch of wimps. And he still breaks bread with them. And he said, with fervent desire, I long to do this. Wow. Talk about mercy. I said, talk about mercy. Ephesians 3 and 12. In whom? In Christ. We have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. See, the enemy's just trying to mess that up. Verse of uh, First uh, Corinthians six and eleven, and such uh, were some of you. He just got enlisting a bunch of you know fornicators and cheaters and liars. And he said, at one time, that's where you were, and such were some. But you, look at your neighbor, say, but you, 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 but you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified, right, in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Look at your neighbor and say, praise ye the Lord. All right, let's close with Romans 8. All right, Romans 8. All right, have I ever told you how much I love Romans 8? Okay, we're just about done here. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's lying. Romans 8. Now, we quoted the first verse. Okay, but let's go, let's go to the end now because really when you see, when you take the time, you go through Romans 8. This is why Romans 8 is my favorite because it literally lays it out. and says it's better to walk with Jesus, walk in the Spirit, than to walk in the flesh trying to figure everything and fix everything yourself. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Who shall bring a charge? Come on, right? Who, who's going to bring this voice of, of condemnation, this opposing against bringing some. Who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It's God who justifies. In fact, he just got done saying a couple verse prayer that he, he's on your side and with you. If God before you, who could be against you? I mean, that's, I mean, it's like he's at, if God, I mean, literally if God before you, it really doesn't matter who's against you. I mean, if God's on your football team, you win, period. 
There's just you and him, and you still win. Or your soccer team. Or your volleyball team. Or whatever. Anyway. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen. Who who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Huh? Who? What? Come on. Shall tribulation, some pressure from uh, from others, distress, uh, mental pressure, persecution, people pressures, famine, just means without sustenance. Come on, really, is that going to separate you from the love of Christ? Does any of this separate you from the love of Christ? Well, you know, Pastor, you just don't understand. I created that in my life. Well, no kidding, Sherlock. (laughs) So it says, who shall separate from this? Shall this, 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 or this, unless you did it, then forget it. Every bit of lack in our life, every bit of problem, for the most part, is based on blockage. Everything's based on blockage. Even your physical body, when it starts breaking down, is based on blockage. Something's blocking something. Same thing with your faith. When it's breaking down, something's blocking it. So it starts creating all these problems, okay, now, all of a sudden, there's lack, there's, there's issues, there's conflict, there's uh, marital problems, kid problems, financial problems. But can any of that separate you from God? No, or from the love of Christ. Can, can any of it? Somebody say, praise the Lord. As it is written, for your sake, this is a quote of the old covenant, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in other words, see, we think, we think verse 16 is who we are, and that, you know, because we created this mess, bang, it's done, it's over with, oh well, that's life. Yet, verse 37, in all these things, we are more than Mikhail, more than conquerors, overcomers through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody shout amen. Man. The point being is that none of this mess should be the thing that hangs you up. We've all done things, made mistakes. Some of us blatant sin. Sin is to know to do good and not do it is how the scriptures define it. And then all of a sudden you realize, you know what? I don't like the curse. I don't like what this creates. So, You have a choice to make. You can say, okay, I'm going to waller in this for a while. Or you can say, Lord, I don't like my results here. I'm part of a covenant. 
And you still love me. And I'm still accepted and you still call me son. Hallelujah. I receive it. Forgive me for the mess. Forgive me for the disobedience. Forgive me for the sin. Forgive me for the mistake. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. All of a sudden, pow, a doorway opens up, a portal opens. You walk out of the curse, head toward the blessing. Praise God. But, Pastor, that's just way too easy. Exactly. It had to be for us. Right? Are we going to complicate it? And try, when people start analyzing, they go, well, unless, but in court of that, and then, well, you know, I got, I got this sheet here. I got 14 things you got to know because of this, 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 and this, this, because that don't apply unless this, this, this. Pretty soon you just complicated it all and you messed up the process. How about receive it? You come into a place of righteousness. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And as a result of it, he's not excusing sin. He's not making, uh, you know, justifying sin. He's not, you know, somehow, you know, trying to, you know, ignore sin. He's saying, listen, when you step into who you are, you walk free from sin. Because over there, you're just trying to fix everything you've already messed up. But over here, you come under grace. When you really look at the difference between the law and the grace, that's the only difference. The law is all about your energies, your works, what you do in your own strength. Grace is all about his empowerment, his strength, his ability. So I receive this over here. I'll hang out here. Let him do what he has to do. And then he may adjust me. He may change me. He say, how about you go to your wife and say, honey, I was such a fool. Forgive me. I think we're on good terms, so I don't think we had. Somebody's looking at me like, what did he do? I'm just saying, this is how this thing works. Amen. Did you get some today? Look at your neighbor and say, shut the door to condemnation. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.